So uh, what we want to do during these sessions, uh, I actually enjoy interaction, so please at any stage, if you want to make a comment or ask a question, by all means, do that. Uh, if I don't have the answer between Ivan and myself and the other theologians here, we'll find it for you. But uh, I won't mind if you, if, you, uh, if you do that. You'll need your Bibles because I'm not going to stick only to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to jump through the Bible to prove what we learned from Ephesians chapter 4. We find in other places in the Bible as well. All right. So uh, an overview of the sessions. Today we're going to look at the value of a worthy life. And I love that first verse in the song that, uh, that shows us the emphasis of these verses. The emphasis is unity in the church. But I want us to focus, under the umbrella of unity, on living a worthy life. And, and I, was, I was so grateful when Ivor invited us to come and he gave me an option to choose what I want to teach. And I believe the church today, I'm talking about the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a major problem. And that is that we know a lot, but we don't do enough. We don't live out the worthy lives that God has given us. It's an indictment against the church. And we see that in the results of lives around us. We see it in the decisions that people make. We see it in how they spend their, pro their priority time. We see how they make decisions on behalf of their children. We see it in older people who uh, believe that they become useless. So, we start with called. We are called to live a worthy life. It's a command by God that we must live worthy lives. Then, second session, we look at the structure, the structure, where binnen onze waardevolle leven gaan leven. See, I can't have And then number three, equipment for a worthy life. And then number four, tomorrow morning, Lord willing, hoe groeie mens in hierdie waardevolle leven, growing in this worthy life. And uh, then Sunday evening you'll have to wait and see. So, let's, uh, let's start then with called to a worthy life. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to verse 3. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to verse 3. The, uh, the, the other references, I'll give you some time to find it. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a wonderful book in the beginning called the book of Index. <laughs> so, don't be shy if, you, uh, if you're new in using the Bible. Go to the index, find the, find the, uh, the passage, and then, then we'll, we'll read it together. Always worth keeping your finger and your eyes and your nose in the Bible. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll appreciate if you'll do that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 3. I therefore, I'm using the English Standard Version. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to... Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I hope you'll agree with me that there are the, the, there are the two main issues that we need to deal with. We see in the, the verse 3 the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, so we... We need to work towards unity. Whenever you see a command in the Bible, it means it'll take an effort to do it. Otherwise, the command won't be there. 
if, if it was natural for us to do, there won't be a command. So the command is there for us to work towards unity. We so easily use any opportunity because of selfishness to gossip, to stab in the back, and some, maybe even all of you, have had experience in receiving and maybe even in giving in that regard. But, in verse 1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So there again we see that it will take an effort. It will take work to do. So if I would ask you, and I would appreciate some feedback, uh, if someone would ask you, what are you? Here on earth, what are you? You are a number of things. So what are you? Prisoner. Sorry? Prisoner. Prisoner for the Lord. Prisoner for the Lord, yes. What else? Christian. 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 Child of God. Child of God. Oh, good catechism answers. Temporary dweller. Temporary dweller. Ambassador. Foreigner. Foreigner. A father. There we go. Now more practical. Some more practical ones. Father. Husband. Husband. Disciple. 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 Servant. Grandparents. Parents. Grandparents. Grandparents. Friend. Friend. Mother. Mother. A What? A pastor. Could be, yeah. At least one of us. <laughs> you can also be a divorcee. You could be a, a widow or a widower. You can be single. You can be a child. Some of you, I hope, are still employees. Maybe you're even an employer. You're also a citizen of South Africa. Or of whatever country you are a citizen of. So these are easily defined and uh, surprisingly very much under attack by Satan and his workers of evil. If you think of how the, and I already made a mistake here because it keeps on moving, the LBGTQI, I see now it's LGBTQIA plus movement. Uh, the gender confusion that we have, can't even answer the question, what is a woman? What is a man? The human rights movement, um, psychology in general, and please don't judge me yet if that offends you. But some of the more subtle what are yous can include that you are a taxpayer, if you are. You are a person who stands in queues. You are a motor car driver or a passenger, even a backseat passenger. Backseat driver, you're a dishwasher, you're a listener, you're a talker, you're a watcher or observer, you're a witness. So in all of that, these are aspects of your life. Those are all roles and responsibilities within which you function, at least on some of those. And in, and in those is where we need to walk worthy lives. It's easy to be a Christian among Christians. It's easy, because there's more accountability. But when you're in your car, and you're driving, and in Durban, the taxi drivers are worse than here. If you don't believe me, look at the amount of accidents that happened there, with less taxis. So we're going to look at three parts to this calling, to live a worthy life. 
We're going to look at the statement of the calling. We're going to look at the description of the calling. We're going to look at the purpose for the calling. So when Paul uses the term walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, that statement is central to this chapter. What does it mean? What is excluded from this walk? What does the walk look like? What is the purpose of this worthy walk? So here's the statement of the calling. Walk in a manner. Walk in a manner. So if, you, if you've been in any relationship for a long period of time, uh, then the relationship grows as you better understand one another. Would you agree with that? So those of you who are married will know that on the day that you got married, what was your expectation? Perfection. Yes, perfection. What? Perfect life. Perfect life. Happy ever after. Yes. Reality? Not necessary. So when life happens, I had a friend, fortunately became a friend when we met the first time, it wasn't Ivor. We met the first time, I said to him, pleased to meet you, and he said, we'll have to see. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant answer. It is. Because we'll have to see. You, know? you can't just make a promise, you'll have to see. But this walk, this walk means as you live your normal life. Yes, it does include time of worship. It does include your conduct among Christians. It, it does include your time as you are on your own. But it also, and most specifically in the context of Ephesians, how to live a life that is worthy of the calling for Jesus Christ in the world. Do you realize that we live in a privileged time in South Africa with load shedding and with corruption and with crime? Christian, it's a privileged time. Because your walk can shine the light of the gospel more clearly. Is that not a privilege? We so easily, because we are used to our walk and our comfort in our walk as we live, we so easily complain about that. So, park that in the back of your mind. Walk means as you live, specifically in everyday life, wherever, wherever you are. So worthy of the calling, what does worthy mean? So the same value, the worthy in the context again of Ephesians, the whole book of Ephesians, specifically chapter 3 and 4, is the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you want to become, Christian? If you talk about the, the roles and responsibilities. You want to become perfect Christian. You want to become like Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. If that, if that was not your goal, then you need to change that goal very quickly. I'm also here for the food, but that's secondary. Talking about the real food. But the effort that you and I make to listen to preaching from the Word, to read, to study, is so that we become more like Christ. If you evaluate your walk in different environments, your value is determined and is valued against the value of Jesus Christ. And if you're worse off today, or the same as a year past, a year ago, you're in trouble. 
people around you, and you must realize that you are better. <coughs> That's the fourth, I'm sorry, I may cough. So, there must be change. There must be a change in your walk. Martin Hart used to say, when someone becomes a Christian, even the dog at home must realize the change. <laughs> So there's the statement. Statement is, we are called to a more valuable life almost day by day. An increasing value compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy of the calling. You've been called, Christian. Not only pastors get called, you are called. At some point in your life, if you are a Christian, God named you by name. You are mine. Follow me. It's a calling. That calling comes with a responsibility. That responsibility mainly is to walk a worthy walk. To live a worthy life. Here we find a bit of a description for us to understand the calling. So if, uh, if someone would say what happened to us at uh, Hillcrest, we never planned to, to move away from Pretoria. Betty <coughs> and I, was, you know, we had our plans to stay there. And uh, in the beginning of 2018, our desire that we believe God placed on our hearts, Psalm 37 verse 4, says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you desires of your heart. Which means God places desires on your heart when you delight in Him. Our desire was to live our lives out in Pretoria. But our other desire was we wanted to, wanted to be more effective for the kingdom. And it may be because in 2018 I turned 60, late midlife crisis, so wanted to do more for the kingdom. That's a good plan, isn't it? And my plan was that the Lord will bless the church where we were, the church can grow. I mean, those are all wonderful plans. And that uh, we'll be able to sustain our health and uh, we'll, we'll live our lives with our children all in Pretoria, grandchildren all in Pretoria. And I presented that plan to the Lord, and I don't think he even read it. <laughs> because he had another plan. So when the call came from Hillcrest, they invited us to go and visit. We wanted to find out what this church was like. There were previous calls where we would go and visit the church, and one of two things would happen. We would very quickly realize this is not for us, evaluating the information. Or, most often, they just didn't want us. <laughs> So when we planted the church, people would ask me, why did you plant the church? There are so many other churches without pastors. I said, well, show me one who wants me. They don't want me. You should say, oh, shame now. <laughs> <laughs> so to know whether this calling is for you, we need a bit of an evaluation, just a bit of an overview of what. So we went to Hillcrest, we spoke to the elders, we met with some of the groups there. We, we looked at, uh, at how they conduct themselves, and we met Daphne, and that just meant that we had to stay, because Daphne was there. And then she left. And then you came here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the description, to give you an idea of the call, so you can decide again today whether this calling is for you. Here's a short description. What, is, what does it look like? A worthy walk starts with humility. You can, 
You can keep your finger there in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll follow through, follow through with the, the words that you find. Humility. In Ephesians 2, verse 3 to 4. Find that please in your Bibles. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Did I say something else now? Yeah. You see? Which one is it? Philippians. Philippians. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. I'm improving in my dyslexia. Sometimes I actually realize that I say something wrong, like in this case. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Now just listen to the detailed words here. It doesn't say do most things or do only the necessary things or do some things. It says do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's a challenge. That's a challenge. Because our natural instinct is to look out for ourselves. And that's what the world teaches us, doesn't it? It makes us focus on, if you don't look after yourself, no one else will. Did you know that? The world says that. It's not only me, eh? There's really lights. Lights are really going up. <laughs> not really. It's not dyslexia. <laughs> so everything. Nothing from selfish conceit. Always consider others more significant than yourself. And what characteristic, what is part of that calling, what is written in that letter of invitation, is when you accept this calling, when you become part of a life that is a worthy life, in line with the calling, humility is there. And again, look, it's a command. It's not a confirmation of where we are. So by God's grace, you may testify to the fact that you are now more humble than what you were before. But don't say it to anyone. It's like the pastor who was given the humility badge. The next Sunday when he wore it, they took it away. Yeah. <laughs> so, humility is an interesting characteristic because it, it mostly shows that you are humble uh, in other people's lives. Real humble people are often not aware of their humility. Then, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. So you may think that this applies only to some of us, but there's a general principle that applies to, to all of us at some stage in your life. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And the word there, the elders, is a general term for older people. It is not necessarily specifically for the, the uh, role of an elder in the church, but it may include that. 
And it continues, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So it starts by saying, younger people, you must be subject. You, part of humility for younger people is not to think they know better. That's a challenge for young people, isn't it? Teenagers should actually be CEOs of companies because they already know everything. Yes. <laughs> I think so. So it's not natural for them to be in submission. And then, clothe yourselves, all of you, includes older and younger people, with humility toward all of you, one another. For, reason, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then we have an example of humility in our Lord Jesus. As recorded in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5. And I'm impressed as I, as I look around. You, you have nimble fingers. You find the passages quickly. And uh, some are even more advanced. Some of the older people have technology. It's that more difficult to scroll to the book. <laughs> 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 yes. So, uh, Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. Have this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You can see the call to a worthy walk right there. Who, that is Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For that reason, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see the humility of Jesus Christ in the beginning of that passage and at the end. Humility that he did not even take what was rightfully his. The son could have said, Father, not a good plan. I can already see the suffering that I will have to go through. For this miserable bunch, you could have said that. Had all the right in the universe and beyond the universe to say that. But for you and me, whose names are written in the book of life, that plan was formed. I would not have made a plan like that. In this life, I don't believe we can fully understand the perfect way in which this plan was worked out and comes together. Hopefully in eternity we'll have a full understanding of it. And we show it by so often questioning. We'll say things like, it's very difficult for my son to become a Christian because he has these friends. It's so difficult for our neighbor to become a Christian because they're Muslims. It's so difficult for our brothers and sisters who move to other countries where there are no real churches to become a Christian. 
What does Jesus say? Is it difficult? Impossible. Impossible. Thanks, Lita. <laughs> Remember when Jesus sat outside the gates of Jerusalem, spoke to his disciples, and said to them, How difficult is it for a rich man to come into the kingdom? As difficult it is for those camels who are walking around to crawl through an eye of a needle. Yes, granted, maybe the needles in those times had a little you know, bigger eyes. Still not big enough even for a camel to look through. And the disciples realized exactly what he was saying. Because they said, but then it's impossible for anyone. And Jesus, this is my rough translation, Jesus said, you've got it. It's impossible. For that reason, he said, what is difficult for man, what is impossible for man, is easy for God. He doesn't even have to make a new plan. He's got the plan. <coughs> Apologies. Then, Colossians, chapter 3. I have a what time do we stop? I don't know. Keep going. Keep going. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12. Verse 12 and verse 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones. So, I hope none of you have a difficulty with God's sovereign choosing. With election. Hope you don't have a problem. Look at this. Here it is. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. There's humility again. Meekness and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive so humility in line with God's choosing of you, in line with God calling you His beloved, compassionate hearts. So whenever you deal with someone else, kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. I don't say hold a grudge. Man. You won't find it anywhere in the Bible. And we can easily find reasons, right? For not reconciling with others. It takes humility. It takes meekness. And it takes kindness. I was reminded as I read through a number of other verses this last week of the kindness of Jesus. Busy studying three aspects of Jesus. One is his kindness. One is the fact that he often did nothing when he had all the reason, according to us, in the universe to act like the rich young ruler. And the other one is when Jesus went on his own, how the, the disciples acted and what Jesus' reaction was when he came back to them again. It's fascinating to study that. So, next verse, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. from verse 22. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So as you live your life, as you walk along the way of your life, how do you measure up against those characteristics? There's a, there's a wonderful description of what a worthy walk looks like. In any situation where you deal with anyone else, even when you are on your own there in your room, are you aware and will other people be aware of your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? When you stand in the queue, at the government office where you have to collect your next ID card or your vehicle license. Are these characteristics evident to the person who stands behind you? Or do you join in the complaints? We, uh, our plan was this morning to fly into Oliver Tambu. We almost made it. We could actually look out the window and through the thick mist see the runway. The, but the pilots couldn't see the runway, so they decided not to land. They took us, diverted us to land Syria. We're so thankful that Peter came and picked us up there. But the complaint on the plane. What? Would you rather die at Oliver Tambu than be alive in land Syria? In ourselves, we need to investigate and to look into our own hearts and to see, especially in those difficult and challenging situations that everyone around us complain about. Do we have reason from a, a human point of view? Absolutely. Does it show a worthy walk when we join the world in the complaints that we have? No. It shows the opposite. I'm challenged, and it's one of the, the ways that the Lord helped me not to be angry upset, aggressive when I drive. I always get upset, especially when those bigger white vehicles pull in front of me without his indicator. Going too fast anyway. Next to the road, not on the road. I would get upset. And the Lord helped me with this thought. What if that person that I just showed my fist to and shouted at, what if he walks into our church on Sunday? It would be a bit of an embarrassment, <coughs> won't it? You should be embarrassed even before then. Because who sits there in the car with you? The one with the value. The Lord Jesus Christ is represented there through the Holy Spirit. I think the last verse, and then we'll go on to the next point. Titus chapter 3. So, Paul writes to his, uh, his pastor friend, uh, Titus, gives him instructions of how to help the people. My interpretation, in line with our theme, to help people in the church to live worthy lives. And he says this, Pastor Titus, chapter 3, verse 1. Pastor, remind them, those among you, to be submissive to rulers and authorities. 
Not talking about the church, right? Who is he talking about? Give me a name. I'm not a name. Ramaphosa. Ramaphosa. <laughs> He's talking about Ramaphosa. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So just think for a moment. Don't, don't have to confess. The last time you had to wait in line at the government office. Was this you? Were you then gentle and kind? Did you show perfect courtesy toward the person behind the desk? I didn't. Ultimately, again, Jesus is our example. I'm going to read this to you, don't page. Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you, says Jesus, and learn from me, for I am gentle. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. So here we have the example of Jesus in that. And, and in the example that he gives us of his character, he gives us a promise. So why am I upset when I wait too long in the queue? Why am I upset? Tell me. Because it's about me. It's about me. I am inconvenienced. I deserve much better than this. In fact, I can do that better than this person can. Therefore, I demand my rights. But we're wrong. Because Jesus says, that's not heavy. It's an easy yoke. That's easy. That burden is light. You probably, you probably won't even miss supper. You don't have to fast for four days. You're probably going to get it done today. But the fact that it now takes five hours where 30 years ago it only took one hour, that is what upsets us. The fact that I'm going to be 2.4 seconds later than what I would have been because this idiot now took my space in my lane while I drive. While I drove. It's then all about me. Jesus says, no, those are not heavy yokes. Nothing in this life is too heavy. If and when you have Jesus, as your burden carrier and your yoke fitter. I'm going to go to the next portion, patience. Patience, James 5. And I know that some of you knew I was going to go there. <coughs> James chapter 5, verse 7 to 8. James chapter 5. So who of you are known to be patient. But, um, I'm, I'm sure that there are some. So, so who of you? I know Daphne is a very patient person. So please tell me, you don't, if you don't want to put up your hand, who of you know of someone else here who is also patient? Yes. If you were a bit more, bit sicker than now. You would be a patient. <laughs> 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 yes. 
So how, how do you identify a patient person? By seeing them in difficult circumstances and they show tenderness and yes. patience. They show the fruit of the Spirit. In spite of a difficult circumstance that keeps on going. Patience is important. And also James 5 from verse 10. And here's our beacon. Here's our standard. James 5 verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Remember what I said about the, the prophets? They looked forward. They intently wanted to see and experience those things that they prophesied about. How is this salvation going to work? And often those prophets never saw any results, right? Imagine that. Imagine that, Ivan, if you would preach and preach and preach and preach and teach and carry on, and you see no results. You don't see any person turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't see any spiritual growth. You carry on for 40 years. That's patient. That's the example. But we become impatient after three minutes, or ten minutes, or an hour. Well, it's also because we, we can't blame our circumstances, but it doesn't help um, a society where everything, you have it at, the, at your fingertips. If I don't get service here now, then I'll just go to another restaurant or, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And then the other thing is also to, a patient person bears the suffering joyfully. That doesn't mean jolly and laughing about it, but it's... It's, how can I say it? If you're in difficult circumstances and you can do nothing about it, well, in a sense, you have to be patient now because you can't change it. But that's not biblical patience. Biblical patience, even if it cannot change the circumstances, is peace with God, peace in God, and God's peace in us. Yeah. Thanks, Ivor. All right, one more. So, in order to be patient, you have to have a change of mind. There's a mindset switch that you must make. What Ivor just said is very helpful because there's a difference between patience if you can't help it. You're stuck somewhere and that's it. But even in that situation, you can exercise biblical patience by not complaining. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2 to verse 5. We see a mindset change to help us be more patient. What is the thinking behind becoming more patient? Romans chapter 2. Five. Uh, chapter 5, five, thank you. Five, from chapter 5 from verse 2. <coughs> to 5. Five. Romans 5 from 2 to 5. Through him who have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, 
and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Again, there you see the value of suffering. The value of suffering, <coughs> applying patience in the suffering, means that the value of your life increases in this life. Your ability and the quality of your ability to testify to God's goodness, especially in trouble, increases. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 Peter 3 verse 50. Loose translation, for me to understand it better, make Jesus Christ the highest value in your life. Some translations say, consecrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Make Him the most value. Then, be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you. At the next braai, when you invite people over and they start complaining about all the things that we have reason to complain about, if you join them, hope flies out the window. Your worthy life becomes less worthy at that moment. But imagine if you can then turn the discussion around and talk to them about the easy yoke, the light yoke and the easy bird. Other way around. Hope. Hope shows in patience. Hope and patience work together. Then, bearing with one another. What does bearing mean? If you think, if someone says to you, just bear with me, what do they ask you to do? Tolerate. Tolerate. Yes. What else? Yes, geduldig. Yeah. Be patient. Be patient with me. Just tolerate for a moment or for a while. But there's a there's a there's a another meaning of the word bearing with one another. Acceptance is definitely part of that. Carrying a weight. Yes. Yes, help carry. Bearing a weight with you. So not only do you tolerate and allow the person to do what they are doing and apply patience, which is a good thing anyway, but you help them carry that weight. When our oldest son was a teenager, it was a difficult time in our lives. Fortunately, later in his life, he regretted it, and on his wedding day, he apologized to us publicly for all the harm and hurt that he caused. But when he was a teenager, we would joke that he would never participate. He would never offer to do anything. It would be an effort to get him just to do what he promised to do. I'm talking about chores in home. Just pack away your shoes. We joked. We would say that he would sit in the lounge and he would see Antoinette walk past the house with the Wendy house on her back and he'll say, huh, there goes mother with the Wendy house on her back. <laughs> and carry on with what he was doing. So in the light of this the verses that we are dealing with in Ephesians, bearing with one another means not only to look at mother as she walks past her, even sympathizing, shame, it's a heavy load. Oh, and her knees are not well, eh? <laughs> not that. It's getting up and helping with the burden. Doing what you can to ease the, the, the person's burden that causes him or her to ask you to bear with them. 
How do we do it? In love. Because of love. Because of the love that Jesus Christ pours out in our, in our lives. Because of the love that we have for Him. So in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 12, short, sweet, greet one another with holy kiss. And that's what I had against COVID. That was a joke. Don't, don't turn there. We're going to go to the next verse. Back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Put on them as God's chosen ones. There we have it again, right? The chosen ones. Holy <coughs> and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So, I know we read that before, but here we have the bearing with one another again. In verse 30. And then I think we'll do one more verse and we'll go to the next topic. Romans 12 verse 10. And then we're almost done for the morning. Romans 12 verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In, in your church, do you have the tradition of occupying your seat in church? No. <laughs> you have your space in church. Yeah. It's like that, isn't it? So, loving one another with brotherly love and outdoing one another in showing honor will work out like this. You walk into church on Sunday morning and you're a little bit later than usual and there, on your spot, sits someone else. Brothers and sisters, what is in your heart at that moment? Yes. Self-honor. My spot. How dare this person do that? I've seen members ask a person to leave. Get up, this is my seat. When you sit under a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. True. All right. Eager to maintain unity. So remember we said it's an umbrella in Ephesians chapter 4. What will make us, what will help us, what will show the world and other believers that we live a worthy life. A worthy life is a life that is lived in accordance with and growing into the character of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate worthy life. Unity. So we find there in Ephesians, unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. There isn't unity between Russia and Ukraine. There may be unity between families who are on both sides. But there isn't unity. Because there isn't peace. There isn't unity among or between unbelievers and believers. So again, a command for us 
to work towards unity, and the unity happens in the bond of peace. And the subject of unity is found all over the New Testament. You can go and read any of the letters that Paul or any of the other apostles wrote, and you'll see unity comes into it. It's again a command, because we so easily do our best, because we are selfish and want our way, to cause disunity between people, two or three, or even between large groups, large groups in the church. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2. Just going to use two or three examples and then we'll end. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, if there is any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, spark there for a moment. So, if you, you'll hear from many of these verses when you see a list like that. You can add to your description of a worthy life. Any encouragement in Christ. Any comfort from love. Any participation in the Spirit. Any affection and sympathy. Paul writes to the church and he says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. There's a warning. I think most of you, if not all of you, understand the discipline process that the Lord gave us in Matthew 18, right? Matthew 18, if someone sins against you, you, you suspect there's a sin, you go and check with them whether your understanding of the situation is accurate. More often than not, misunderstanding. Sort it out at step one. More often than not. If not, then you need to take a witness to determine, first of all, if your perception of the situation is accurate. If the witness can then confirm it, then you take it to the church. So how many steps do we have now? There's three already. Then there's one more, right? If it doesn't listen to the church, what then? Titus chapter 3 verse 10. Short-circuit the whole process. Christian, if you cause disunity in the church, this is what the leaders should do to you. Because unity is so important. For you to live a worthy life, you have to fight for unity. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division. So, as for a person who causes disunity. After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Why? Knowing that a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Isn't that, a, isn't that a terrible thing? 
And so easily and so often we see in the church that Christians demand to cause disunity because they believe they are right. <coughs> so the commands we have in here, each one of them, starting with humility and ending here with uh, unity, all of them takes an effort. If you look at any of the well-known and successful athletes, you don't get to a gold medal by just arriving on the day. It takes an effort. It takes hard work. For an athlete to become a worthy athlete, they have to work on it. For you and I to live more worthy lives year by year, month by month, week by week, even day by day, takes an effort. Ephesians helps us with that. And be warned, be warned to not be guilty of causing disunity. And in all of these commands that helps us to live more worthy lives, the assumption is that you may even be right in your perception. You look at what the leaders in the church do and you know it would be better to do something else. But if you're going to cause disunity by forcing your issue, you are wrong. Even if you think they're wrong. That's why it takes an effort. Why do you need patience? Because there's something wrong. This person does not deserve to pull in front of you. The government official is supposed to work harder and faster. And not supposed to play an online game while you're waiting in life. You're right. But it's not a worthy life. Summary. The calling to live a worthy life starts with a changed mindset. The mindset is to honor God, to love others more, and to have a zeal for unity. And the good news is, that's the end of the session. <laughs> Next, we'll talk about the structure for a waterfall of Yemen. Is there anyone here who does not understand Afrikaans? You now, you now know that, you now know that I don't, I'm, I'm not educated, I don't have a degree, so I don't know how to use those big words. So I talk a simple Afrikaans, but if that's going to be a challenge, we maybe want to put someone next to it to translate, or I'll throw in an English word here and there. All right, can I pray for us? And then, Father, we want to confess if we are honest with one another and with ourselves that uh, we could have lived more worthy lives by now. Some of us have been Christians for many, many years, more than two, three decades, and we don't see enough change. We are not close enough to the character of Jesus. So I pray for all of us here today that we will not be only be encouraged but convicted to again change our minds in line with the mind of Christ. And so that as we live our lives, we will be aware of the calling that God placed on us to live lives in line with the value of how Jesus wants us to live. Help us to honor Him in our minds and in our actions for His sake. Amen. Amen.